lines. We are back. Fault lines with Nixon and Stranahan. Garland and I were saying the show is kind of flying by, partially because Garland and I are bickering at each other all morning. I will point out that if you want to watch the show, please go to my Periscope feed at Stranahan. Please go to my Twitter feed at Stranahan and also follow at Garland Nixon on Twitter. I will be appearing. Let me mention this, Garland. I will be on my friend David Knight's show later today on InfoWars. Right after the show, I'm going to spread just everybody's warning. I'm splitting right after the show because i got to get home to do it for 1030. Okay. And we'll be talking about a bunch of issues. I always like appearing with David Knight. And we got to get David's going to come on the show. Okay. And uh, it, sometime in the next couple of weeks and talk about some of the He's stuff. He's uh, a uh, libertarian, right? Yeah. Yeah, libertarian is his name. Liberty. <laughs> is libertarian is his name on Twitter. But I, I like David a lot. You know, a lot of people, InfoWars, they think of Alex, Alex yep. Jones, who I've been on with Alex, too. But Alex is, I don't know if you noticed this. He's a little incendiary. Have a little you over the top on, on the odd occasion. Right. But and and David but, Knight's more kind of grounded. He's he more is, grounded. Which he's is why the media Ron never Paul talks is, about him. Right. He's more the kind of Ron Paul Institute kind of guy. He is. He's a, he's a libertarian. Yeah. And uh, but I always like I, I like it's always fun to appear with Alex, but it's a little surreal. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a little surreal. Well, he's a big character, you know, he is. He's a and, big, big. And yeah. people have asked me, is he different? on camera than he is when you talk to him and eh, not so much that's what i'm saying anybody who thinks the alex jones thing is an act which is something that came up during his divorce right right thing right. where he said it's a kind of but it's not like you talk to alex after it's not it's not like you get alex off the air it's like you know there's, alex jones if you say. talk there, to him. there are very few people that are an act no. People talk to you or me off the air. We're pretty much exactly Alex the same. Alex is pretty much the same guy. He's a little more. Right. But not like a hundred. It's not like you talk to him off the air. He's like, well, Garland, it was great talking to you today. And we're going to. Okay, coming up next. This is Alex Jones and blah, blah, blah. That's not what happens. It's not a different. It's not Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Jones. Right. So there you go. So that's a question people ask. Hey, want to join us right now with Dr. Michael Neverdakis? It is always great to have Michael on. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. It's a pleasure, as always. Now, and where, just so I, people know, where are you right now? Yeah, I was going to ask, yeah. Uh, right now, I'm in Athens. Great. That, that's in Greece, not Georgia. Yes. I was about to say. Not the not home Athens of the B-52s. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, boy, you got some great peach cobbler. Oh, no, not Georgia. So we're talking about is a fair and open Internet an attainable goal? At a time, Dr. Neverdakis, when we see go- when we see the world going in the opposite direction, when the tech giants, when the people in charge are feeling threatened, and one of the things they're doing to, to mitigate the threat, you, they, they, they may argue, is to clamp down on the Internet. This is a great question. Is a fair and open Internet an, an attainable goal? What are your thoughts? Uh, I do think it is an attainable goal. I don't think it is something that exists today. Uh, we've heard many debates over the past uh, couple of years about uh, equal access to information, about net neutrality. Um, I would say that <laughs> there's an old saying, uh, a free press exists if you can afford to own one. So taking that line of thinking further, Freedom of speech exists and has existed if you could afford to own, let's say, a television station or a radio station or could afford the cost of printing and copying pamphlets. Or nowadays, if you can own a major website, it can afford to market it and have, you know, pay server costs and so forth. Now, sure, there were pockets of free speech in the past, let's say, 
public access TV, community radio, writing a letter to the editor of the newspaper. But all of this contained a set of hurdles that had to be surpassed in order to be in a position to actually deliver your free speech to the world. And the biggest hurdle of all is that these outlets may have existed, but they were typically so so small and so underfunded that they had a tiny audience, a, a tiny reach. So, you know, if a tree has fallen in the forest, does it really fall in if no one is around to hear it? It's the same thing with free speech. Um, and it's also the same thing if you can if you can access free speech as well or not. So, you know, public access TV was on cable. Well, if you couldn't afford cable or if you lived somewhere where there was no cable infrastructure, then you didn't have access to it. If you're low income and you're counting every penny, you might not be able to afford even 50 cents or a dollar to buy a newspaper, let alone nowadays subscribe to broadband access. And that's what brings us to the debate of net neutrality, which is a debate that I consider to be full of logical fallacies. So, for instance, there's this idea that all packets of information under net neutrality are delivered equally on the web. But the Internet is full of inequalities, such as inequality of access, which, which is the so-called digital divide. There's some people that can afford better connections than, than others, or they live in cities or countries that have better infrastructures and more widespread broadband access than others. For instance, I live part-time in upstate New York, and this is a community which until this very month, August of 2018, did not have any broadband access at all. Wow. And then, no, there was no cable, there was no fiber, there was no DSL, there was only one company that had 4G. And this was not unlimited service. There was a data cap. Once you passed that cap, you were down to 2G. Uh, this until this very month. And then, of course, you know, there's there's people that can't afford smartphones or can't afford a data plan for their for their for their phones. There's some people that even today still use dial up connections. There's some people that are not online at all or might only have an old PC that can't handle streaming audio or streaming video. So you can have all the net neutrality that you want, but information still won't be delivered equally or neutrally. And that's before we even get into what's going on on Facebook and Twitter and social media. You know, one of the things about about the, let me uh, you know about the uh, the phenomenon Donald Trump, right? And 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 you know, I'm an admitted lefty kind of person, so you know, of course, I don't agree with Donald Trump's policies, but I think with most of them. But I think where a lot of people make an error is to dismiss everything that Donald Trump says out of hand because they hate Donald Trump. I think that is an error because Donald Trump, being kind of an outsider and a you know a, a troublemaker for the system, says some things that are very, very powerful, right? And like I said, so I think it's a mistake for people to say, I hate Donald Trump, everything he says is is wrong. I don't support Trump. I wouldn't vote for Trump. I'd vote for, you know, I love Bernie or Tulsi Gabbard or something. But I listen, Donald Trump recently made a comment about Google searches. I don't know, are you familiar with the comment? Yes. yes. Can you talk about that a little bit, about what he said? So I'm not going to tell you anything. You know what he said. Talk about what he said and whether you think there's any sense to it or not. I think there's a lot of uh, sense to what uh, to what Trump said about uh, Google searches. I think that it's something that we actually see in practice. In, in practice, uh, he said, of course, for those who are unfamiliar, he accused Google of burying conservative news and conservative outlets in their search results. And this is something that has come up on the internet in various memes that have circulated, particularly from the so-called alt-right in the past uh, couple of years. 
where they've taken, for instance, screenshots of various uh, Google searches and the results uh, showing what is what is pretty evident to be a a bias that could be that could be described by some as a left wing bias or as a well, Michael. Let me just start. When, when you say when you say bias. Michael, when you say alt right, are you using that in the narrow sense, like the the admitted neo Nazi alt right, or do you just mean the independent Tea Party conservative movement, which clearly includes some element of of the alt of, of what, the people who call the reason I say that is Richard Spencer has admitted he created the term alt right. So I I don't identify. I've never identified as alt right. Never. So, but I just want to make sure we, we're clear on what you're talking about. Are you talking right, about absolutely? And it's a ladder. It's a ladder of the two that you mentioned, and that's why I the I conservative movement broadly. So both. Yes, broadly yeah. the conservative movement, or what many in many cases is. Um, is described as a conservative movement because, as uh, Garland said, nowadays, basically, there's this knee-jerk reaction to anything that Trump says or does. So expressing any agreement with anything that he does or anything that Trump says is enough for some people to immediately get you labeled not just conservative, but something, uh, something like fascist, for instance. So, you know, from that point of view... Uh, I think that we see very clearly that on Google, on Facebook, on Twitter, on social media, uh, and on major online giants in general, there is a definite bias. We see it on social media with accounts that are removed. I heard you guys talking about Alex Jones earlier. We know what happened with uh, his social media presence recently. Uh, but it even happens to less well-known personalities who in many cases I would not even personally describe them as conservative. But they are individuals who are espousing political points of view that do not agree with the status quo of – you know, the major mainstream media, the New York Times, the BBC, the Washington Post, um, the major, you know, the, the, the political status quo of much of academia and so forth. Their, you know, postings are being taken down, accounts are being removed or being banned. I, I've lost count even just from friends of mine on Facebook, ordinary people that are not well known, getting 30-day bans yeah. for posting – Material that I would not even consider controversial. Our guy that comes uh, on here pretty, pretty, our guy that comes on here pretty, a guy that comes on here pretty regularly, Michael Krieger, um, he who has he a, a libertyblitzkrieg.com. He's a he's a um a, a, a libertarian leaning person. He has some great great articles, very anti-establishment. And there were some of his articles on Facebook that I put up one of his articles and it banded as spam, and I had to go in and wiggle around and find out how to get it back up. Well, I was actually thinking about this with YouTube last night. I was thinking one of the things that's going on here is YouTube is doing, and I and let me I, I got to explain this a little bit because it's going to sound like hype at first, but I don't think it is. They're doing the equivalent of what the Taliban did when they blew up. The, remember, they blew up those Buddhist uh, temples. Yeah, that were been and, like a thousand years old or something. That's exactly right. And YouTube is doing this. Let me explain. When they banned my channel, and they took every video, a thousand videos that I'd made over ten years at YouTube down. Do you know what they pulled down? They pulled down several dozen of my videos that were pro-Obama that I made in 2008. Yep. So here's my point. When they took down Alex Jones's channel, 
they took down every video of his, even the ones. So what I'm getting at here is I, I, had a, I have an actual practical suggestion here. It would be less outrageous if YouTube froze my account so I can't upload new stuff. Right, right, right. Took down the videos they found offensive but left the non-offensive ones down because what they're doing and the story, my story is repeated hundreds of yep. times. There have been tens of thousands of non-offensive, right? Non, they took down videos of my children yep. that I posted 10 years ago when YouTube was new. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll use this to post videos to show my grand, you know, to show my mother-in-law. I, I would get it if YouTube said, this video's offensive, you can't post anymore, but these ones aren't, we're going to leave them. What they're doing, and I really worry about this, they're literally destroying history. Yes, they are. They're taking videos. If you want to see for yourself, and by the way, Twitter does the same thing. They did it to the Ron Paul Institute's guy. When, when they took Roger Stone's account down, do you know who they hurt? Not just Roger Stone. Anybody who wanted to research. Right, Roger Stone. Roger Stone. Even if you're critical of Roger Stone, you have... A, a big, I don't want them to take David Duke down. I may want to do an article on David Duke, and I and I may go all the way through his Twitter account, and I may find out that somebody was going back and forth tweeting with David with David Duke, and I might say, "Hey, wait a minute, that's the guy from CNN. Let me see what this is." And, and what I'm what I'm what I'm saying here is I'm making I'm trying to make a reasonable argument that like if you want to say, well, Roger Stone can't post anymore. Okay, I can debate that. And I can say I don't think that's good, but for God's sakes. When you're deleting everything, do you, do you see what I'm getting at, Michael? Am I being too reasonable? or You're being absolutely reasonable, and all of this reminds me of something that George Orwell wrote about, the, the uh, so-called memory hole, where old newspaper articles that were no longer aligned with what Big Brother was saying will just be thrown into this memory hole and will be turned to ashes. And I think we're seeing an Internet version of that happening now. And yeah. I, I really do think it's an outrage. Now, let me say on the positive side, Michael, I think the trend lines are positive. Here's what I mean by that. Where are things going? We see CNN and all the major, all of them, their ratings are going down. Yep. And we're seeing more people. So I'll put it like this. There's, there's, there's the mainstream media. Then in the middle, there's the new media like InfoWars or Breitbart or the Huffington Post or whatever. But then, you know what else people are doing a lot now? They're watching some dude's periscope that he's making while driving. Well, you know what? So, Michael, I think here's one of the things to me, and I want you to comment on this. One of the things that changed television for me was when I got a smart TV. Because... It changed it because when I got my first smart TV, I started watching YouTube. I started watching Jimmy Dore. I watch, uh, you know, the, the, the libertarians, I agree with them on foreign policy, not on domestic policy or economic policy. So I would watch. Um, there's a lot of good stuff on the Ron Paul Institute about uh, foreign policy. So once I got my uh, Internet on television now, now all of these, um, there's, to me, there's no difference between the Ron Paul Institute, Jimmy Dore, CNN, or Fox, because I can put all any of them on my TV, and since I can put any of them on my TV, I'd rather watch Jimmy Dore and the Ron Paul Institute than some schmuck on CNN telling me that, to go bomb somebody again. So, Michael, do you think more and more people are like Garland? 
more and more people are like Garland, and especially the younger generations that are so-called digital natives and have grown up in this environment with smartphones and smart TVs, they're not sitting around watching network television news or, or CNN. Uh, they're, going, they're, they're going on their phones or at home, they're sitting in front of their smart TVs, and they're creating their own television schedules and they're finding their own content. And this is something that the, uh, the, the powers that be, the gatekeepers, from, uh, from CNN and the networks and the major press and so forth are feeling very threatened by. And I think what we're seeing uh, in terms of their response, in terms of this removal of content that we were just discussing, is, is a reaction to that. I think they're getting more and more desperate to control information precisely because they see that they're losing control of information. No, that that's right. And, and that's why I think, you know, we've had uh... – Tom Luongo and Michael Krieger, we finished the week out with them last week, and they were both talking about the idea of things being decentralized. And I think that, I, I will say this, the powers that be, the establishment media, know this, which is part of why I think, I think here's where I think CNN, they're not going to win. Because CNN's trying to attack Alex Jones, let's say. They're going after InfoWars. First off, they actually may have increased his audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. also... While they might be able to stop InfoWars, there's a lot of people who just watch, I'm just going to name Tracy Beans or Jack Posobiec, who's on OANN, right? He's on One America News, but he also does his own periscopes. I'm here on Sputnik, but I also do my own right. material. And so, and Garland has a Facebook Live stuff and all. Plus another radio show. Yep. So is, isn't there big, I, we got we to gotta go, uh, Michael Neverdakis, tell people where they can find your stuff. It's dialogosmedia.org, D-I-A-L-O-G-O-S media.org, and writing on mintpressnews.com. Hey, Michael, always great to have you with us. Thanks. Hope you have a nice Labor Day in Greece, or as they call it, the weekend. You're right, yeah. I think in Greece, I think it's different. We got more coming up. You're listening to Fall Lines with Nixon and Stranahan.